Stand by. Stand by. You have entered a locked orbit with Precinct Omega. Your data has been lodged and recorded. You have one message. Playing message from Precinct Omega. It's Friday the 14th of September. My name is Roby Jenkins. And my name is Bernard. And here is the news. Mantic Games has dropped Dead Zone 3rd Edition, hot on the heels of Games Workshop's own gothic sci-fi skirmish game, Kill Team. Dead Zone is available now if a two-player starter set from £90. Compare and contrast with Kill Team's 125 Enemy Spotted Studios has launched a Kickstarter for their game, Kill Wager. It's a hard sci-fi near-future skirmish game, and if you've not seen it, I've done a review of some of their 3D printed minis on YouTube. They've already comfortably broken through their funding target, with three weeks still to run. Centerfire Hobbies has released an ambitious box set for their Eisenfront mecha combat game. It's $100, but for that money, you get four 1-100 scale resin mechs, four cardboard buildings, dice, cards, and the printed core rules. Centerfire is a one-person business, a lot like Precinct Omega, so I'm impressed with what he's achieved, and I am watching with interest. Remember how I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Freebooter's fate was still alive? Well, it seems like maybe there's more booty in that there leaky ship than even I had anticipated, because they have another new release in the form of a spooky spectral pirate captain. Perfect for Halloween, and perfect too for Blood and a Black Flag. What's this? Well, Blood and a Black Flag is a new swashbuckling skirmish game from Precinct Omega Publishing, and by the time you hear this, it should be available on Wargame Vault for the extremely competitive price of just five of your pounds. So, grab a brace of pistols and strap on your cutlass because we are off in search of buried treasure. Yo ho ho, and a bottle of rum. Now before I get to Blood and a Black Flag, let's talk about the other releases that the last couple of weeks have seen. There's been a lot of new stuff out there, which I've not really mentioned in the news, but I definitely could have. We've got new releases from Cyborg Miniatures, Westphalia running a Kickstarter to release their awesome fantasy Star Wars range as STLs. TT Combat is doing an online-only special gang for Carnival, but Let's start with the number one news item, which is the arrival of Dead Zone 3rd Edition. Now, maybe I don't keep my ear as close to the ground as I thought I did, because I did not see this one coming. Dead Zone is a game that I've mentioned before, is a design that I admire and which I'd like to play, but which didn't quite make it onto my plans for 2021 and 2022. Now, despite paying attention to Mantic, I had no clue that they were about to drop a third edition of the game, right on the heels of GW's Kill Team. Now, whatever you think of Ronnie Renton, the guy has some testiculos, but it's also pretty genius. Lots of people are going to be thinking about skirmish gaming again, thanks to Kill Team. And if the early reviews are anything to go by, a lot of people are going to take it for a spin and find that Kill Team is... surprisingly dull. As Games Workshop Studios bid to get their name 
Recognised for being innovative and cutting edge, Kill Team has been a bit of a flop, whilst also without question being a commercial smash. It is the box office sellout that's still rating at 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Given the lack of build-up to the Dead Zone release, which is very unlike Mantic if you look at their pre-release hype for Armada and Overdrive, I'm going to guess that they decided to pull forward their release precisely because Kill Team caught them by surprise. It's not impossible that I just missed the hype somehow, but if I miss the hype when I'm actively staying up to date with new releases on a daily basis, then it wasn't very good hype. So regardless, is it a good idea to push out a sci-fi skirmish game at the same time as the big market competition? On the one hand, you can kind of benefit from being part of the hype paid for by your competition, by being seen in comparison with and alongside it. But on the other hand, it can cast your product into a poor light when your competitor has super fancy CGI animated mini-movies to promote their game and you don't. Kill Team also represents the first appearance in plastic of the iconic Deathcore, while Dead Zone contains no new minis at all. Now, it does contain new street scenery, and don't get me wrong, I do love me some sci-fi scatter terrain. I'll probably buy it just for the scatter terrain alone, but new scatter terrain hardly matches up to brand new hips minis. So what about the quality of gameplay? Well, I've not played either game yet, but I got to watch a game of Kill Team in progress the other day, and I wasn't terribly impressed. Dead Zone, on the other hand, still has Jake Thornton's outstanding cube system for movement, which creates a far more narrative and cinematic tabletop experience, even if it does require a specially marked playmat. If I'd known that a new £90 box set for Dead Zone was on its way, might that have influenced my decision about my games for the next 12 months? Yeah, it probably would, and I'm definitely more interested in buying that than I am in the Octarius box set for Kill Team. But whether the move to counterpoint the two releases will pay off for Mantic, yeah, it remains to be seen. So, let's talk about Kill Wager and Eisenfront. I've been following the development of both of these games with interest, and to be honest, a little jealousy over the last couple of years. The folks behind them are very talented artists and 3D sculptors, and if they weren't both based in the US, I would certainly have thrown more money at them than I have so far. Eisenfront is a one-person passion project. Sean Suhanya's business started with 3D printed accessories for 112th and 124th collectible action figures, but on the side, he's been quietly developing a range of 3D-sculpted resin-cast 1/100th scale mechs. That's close enough to 15mm, as makes no difference. And what makes them particularly interesting is that they're designed around the use of soft plastic connectors for joints, which makes them astonishingly poseable for their type of design. A PDF of the core rules is available as a free download, and I've had a good look through them. It's essentially an action point system, uh, with different skill levels of pilots providing the player with more action points with which to activate their mechs and do stuff during the turn. The rules are not terribly clear in many places and Sean should have employed a proofreader as I spotted several pretty egregious typos just on a casual read-through, but 
If you wanted to put the time in and maybe look for an FAQ or get some answers from Sean himself, I can certainly see this being an entertaining game with strong shades of Titanfall. Kill Wager, meanwhile, is more of a team effort, I believe. The, kill the Kickstarter is being run by someone called Head Goon, rather than being clearly associated with Enemy Spotted Studios. Although the Enemy Spotted website prominently mentions Kill Wager as being their work. So, I'm guessing there's a distinction between the designer of the minis and the designer of the game. However, there is a pretty good, albeit quite low-tech, introduction to the game's mechanics on the Kickstarter, and it's definitely an interesting concept with Shades of Infinity and other games. At its core is a simple mechanic of roll 4 plus on a d10, but you get degrees of success for every three points by which you exceed that target, with various skill and situational modifiers to your roll. What Kill Wager and Eyes in Front have in common is being an independently developed skirmish war game with a supporting miniatures line. Of the two, I would be inclined to bet more on Kill Wager turning into a big commercial success in the long term, but both games are definitely worth checking out. And talking about worth checking out, let's turn to Blood and a Black Flag. Ah, oh, Jim Lad. Pieces of eight, etc. If you follow the Precinct Omega podcast regularly, you'll be aware that I've been struggling with the direction of my business in recent weeks, and if I'm honest, for a few months now. This all kind of came to a head in a 48 second live stream that was supposed to be an hour long in which I had a small emotional breakdown. I'm fine. Really, my troubles are professional rather than personal, which means they are firmly within my power to address. And one of the ways I've decided to address them is to release a completely new game. Well, kind of a completely new game. It's completely new to most people. See, I wrote and released a game called Scrapyard about 10 years ago, and in doing so, I came face to face with the scale of the task that I had inadvertently set myself, and I gave up. But it's been languishing in my slush pile ever since, and as I've learned and developed and, frankly, grown stronger, I've always been conscious that although I made a lot of mistakes and bad assumptions about the business when I started, it was still, at its core, a good game. So a couple of weeks ago, I dusted it off, I stripped out the things that I thought weren't good, which honestly wasn't that much, and I patched it back together in a new form, and that form is Blood and a Black Flag. Now I want to be clear, this game is pitched as a pirate-themed game, but it is very much a precursor to Horizon Wars, and as such, it is super generic. There's almost no setting or context in which you couldn't play it. You could play it with ancient Greeks and Romans, you could play it with Napoleonics, you could play it as post-apocalyptic, you could switch up the scale entirely and play it with mechs. I'm not going to say that this was directly intentional. In some ways I would have liked to have made it a little more thematic, if I'm honest, but I also wanted to honour its origins and I frankly wanted to release a new game as quickly as possible. And you can waste a lot of time navel-gazing when what people really want is just a new way to roll dice and play toy soldiers. I do have plans to expand the options for Blood and a Black Flag into some more specific directions, but if you like your games flexible enough to skirmish with anything from short bows to railguns, 
you should probably enjoy Blood and a Black Flag. I have several other games I hope to give more attention to over the next few months, which will all serve to give me a bit of a creative break from Horizon Wars. Put some new products on sale on Wargame Vault without the pressure of high production values, art and photography, and showcase some of my design breadth as well as depth. However, the other thing that I'm going to be doing is take three months to do some less wargamey stuff. It looks like I'm getting back on the HR horse to do some contract work. Depending on how this pans out, this might mean that I have to go to a fortnightly podcast rather than weekly for a little while, although I will try not to. Alternatively, it might just mean fewer scripted episodes like this one add more extemporaneous stuff, which could be interesting. But projects like Killwager and Eisenfront are really inspiring to people like me. They are projects developed to a high level of production values by people who believe in their vision and who think that they have something new to offer the world of miniatures wargaming. They have skills or resources that I don't, of course, but then I look at other entrepreneurs that I know well, like Jamie Tranter, like Chris Nichols, like Annie Norman, and I can see that whilst I admire the things that they can do that I can't, I also have skills and resources that they don't have. So going back to an HR contract isn't something that I'm prepared to see as a failure. Rather, it's an opportunity to leverage my skills and my experience in a creative way that will ultimately help keep Precinct Omega moving forwards. Now, I don't know whether I'll be talking to you again next week or the week after. At time of recording, I'm still waiting to hear back about contract. But when you do hear from me again, I'm going to be talking about 3D printing. See, I've recently heard a surprising number of people talking about how 3D printing isn't a problem for Games Workshop and how it isn't going to have a significant impact on the industry. And these people are wrong. And I'll try to explain why next week. Or possibly the week after. We'll see. Warning. Warning. Docking plants released. Decoupling complete. Thank you for visiting Precinct Omega Star Pharaoh. Safe journeys. Until next time.